Hi, everyone. You are listening to episode 88, a conversation on wellness and cancer with Jess Mobald. Today's podcast conversation is actually the audio from an Instagram live that I did with Jess earlier this week. Jess and I connected on Instagram and she is a wealth of knowledge. She is a running and strength coach. She is one of the coaches for Runner's World. She is also a coach at The Fort, which is a fitness and training gym in New York City. We know that exercise and honestly, wellness in general, nutrition, sleep, hydration, all of those factors are really critical, not only during cancer treatment, but beyond. We know that exercise reduces the risk of being diagnosed with cancer, as well as reduces the risk of recurrence from cancer and dying from cancer. And with that, I had reached out to Jess to see if she'd be interested in speaking with me about really how to get started in fitness. I talk to a lot of people who are not sure where to start. They want to start running. They want to start lifting. They just want to start taking care of themselves and they don't know how to do that. And so on this conversation, we talk about all of that. We talk about how to get started. We talk about listening to your body, understanding your goals and why you are lacing up or why you're picking up that, that dumbbell, all of that. We talk about the importance of recovery, of hydration, of sleep, mobility, stretching, a little bit about nutrition and so much more. This conversation is a wonderful resource, whether or not you have been impacted by cancer personally, or know of someone that has been affected by cancer. Honestly, it's a conversation for anyone who wants to either take the next step in their fitness journey or get started on a fitness journey. And with that, it is my honor to share this conversation with Jess Mowald with you. Let's get right into it. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. I guess we can get started. Um, so we thought what we would do is each introduce ourselves and really kind of talk about the intersection between wellness and running and strength training and cancer. And we have a lot of questions about how to get started um, in exercise. And so we'll kind of start with that and then feel free to add any questions in the chat and um, we'll just see how, you know, we'll take it from there. Keep it super casual. So um, anything that we can't answer, obviously, you know, we'll mention that. So I'm Eleanor Jelinski. I am a medical oncologist in New Jersey. I specialize really in breast and gynecologic cancers. And my big thing, my big passion is the role of diet and exercise in reducing cancer risk, reducing risk of recurrence, and overall just feeling well. I mean, there's so much about cancer treatment that you can't control. You can't control the nausea that you get with chemo, the joint aches you get with medications, but we can control our reaction to some of those things and focusing on our wellness and living our healthiest lifestyle is one step toward that. Um, I 
run. I just ran a marathon after not having run for a few years, having a baby, having babies. Um, and so I'm getting back into more longer distance running and, uh, yeah, and I am plant-based. My husband's vegan. And so I, that's been a big change in our life in the last year and a half or so. That's awesome. Well, it's so nice to be connected with you here. Uh, my name is Jess Movald. I am a certified running coach. Um, I'm the Runner's World coach, along with Coach PJ, who um, is also here from Austin, Texas. Good to see you, Coach. Um, I'm also a certified strength coach here in New York City at The Fort. Um, and so health and wellness has always been something that I've been around. Um, like my dad was always an avid runner. And so it was things that you know, early into introduced to strength training. And um, so it was always running and strength. And then I would say by default, we were, you know, healthy eating ish, but I'm excited to hear more of the tips and the suggestions that you have with that. Um, in my experience with cancer, unfortunately, both of my parents have had cancer experiences. So um, it was something that I was you know, a, around, but not personally um, affected by, but it, it, I'm definitely excited to hear what you have to say about, you know, preventative measures or ways that people who are going through treatment can, can kind of manage their health and wellness throughout that journey. So I'm really honored that you brought me on. Oh, I'm glad we connected. Um, and I will say that, you know, I'm sure that every single person listening or watching later, you know, even if you have not personally been affected by cancer, we all know someone who's been affected by cancer. And so when we talk about, we're not talking about really the nitty gritty of this side effect, but we're talking about how can you really live your healthiest lifestyle because we're all at risk by the virtue of living and in for females we're all at risk for breast cancer men as well but to a lower extent um we're all at risk for cancer so we should all be thinking about how can i decrease my risk uh of getting something in the future mm -hmm. yeah wow so, um and from my personal journey if we maybe start there uh, my mother had breast cancer and then a few years later that went into pancreatic cancer um, so I know my sister, my younger sister has done the BRCA test. I still need to do that. My older sister still needs to do that. Um, so, so yeah. And that's, that's really hard. That's such a hard decision to do the test because you have to feel comfortable with what the results will tell you. Right. And you have to feel like, okay, am I going to act on the results? And there's a reason they don't recommend really people younger than 25 getting tested because you're just emotionally it, that's just so hard to process though, those kind of decisions at a very young age. Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, why don't we, I guess the big question that I got a lot was really, how does one get in? We'll start with running. Okay. Um, get in to running, right? So a lot of people have said, I want to run. Um, I walk, or maybe I jog here and there, but all oh, you need is sneakers. And, but like, it's not that simple, right? So how does one get into running? Right. And it's not that easy. And oftentimes, I think runners throw around, go for an easy run, go for an easy run. I can go for an easy run. And plenty of times that run itself doesn't feel easy. You know, and what that means is when you hear runners talk about going for an easy run or run coach guiding you into an easy run, go at the lowest pace or the, the you know, the least amount of effort needed for that run to feel easy. Um, you know, e even start with a brisk walk. And so I, when people want to get into running, I like to suggest intervals of one minute on, you know, easy jog, 90 second walk, 
and let's do that 10 times. And let's do that two to three times a week. Let's first start the habit of lacing up, getting out the door and start gradually so that we have those steps to check off and those little moments of accomplishment to build on those bigger, larger goals that seem unfathomable to someone who's kind of sitting on the sidelines saying, wow, I want to do that, but I have no idea how to even get from where I am now to running that marathon that I'm watching right now. And I like that you're really talking about walking and taking that you're not just getting out, putting on sneakers and going for a 30 minute run, because that seems right. very daunting. One minute, okay, I can, I can do that for a minute. Right. And I right. get to walk. Absolutely. And, you know, there are plenty of times where I've been running marathons since 2008. And I have plenty of runs where I'm walking, or I'm taking a rest break, or my program might call for six miles, but physically, I know that four is where I should be for the day. And it also takes experience. And I think personal acceptance to make those changes or to allow ourselves grace to to walk and you know, normalize walking, normalize rest breaks. I think that's something that we should talk about a little bit more. Of course, when we're in those aggressive training plans or we have those, you know, three by 10 minute efforts, like let's really focus on holding that full 10 minutes. Um, but outside of that, we wanna focus on acceptance and giving ourselves grace and allowing ourselves to go at the pace that feels right for the day. And I think that it's, you know, you see, you'll see people on Instagram. I think social media is wonderful, but has obviously we all know downfalls, right? So you'll see people going for that six, eight mile run. And there you are just like, oh, I got to get, you know, a two minute interval. And, um, and I think that can be hard. You know, what advice do you have for people who are kind of falling into that comparison trap? People are faster than me. They're running more than me. Here they are running a marathon, yeah, I, I understand. First of all, I want to say understand because I have been there myself all the time. So I think at first, you know, that the first question you asked me was, um, you know, how does someone get there? And I think connect to your own personal why. Why do you want to get out the door? Why do you want to start to run? Why do you want to go after a marathon? And then if it's because you saw, you know, well, I need to run six miles at this pace because I saw this person running six miles at this pace. I think that there's a there's an unhealthy roadblock in the way that should be addressed and, you know, limit maybe the the pressure that we put on ourselves and the, the exposure that we, we can, you know, we want to go outside for a run, but it's cold. So what do we do? We procrastinate. What does that turn to? Scrolling, you know, Instagram, Strava, or whatever it is. And then we just let all these thoughts build up in our head, which aren't our own truths or our own reality. So I think really protecting your space mentally and, you know, reminding yourself of where you are currently, where you want to go, and just, you know, really centering your worth around your why and then giving yourself grace. So if you're going out for a run and you're feeling awesome and you're like, wow, you know, this just feels great. I'm gonna go for 10 more minutes or, you know, I'm, I'm in this pace and I didn't think I could hold it. Like that's our, those are moments to celebrate and really remember that feeling. Um, so I think the, the juggle with Instagram or even social media is real. We have to 
we have to be our own, you know, parental control to say, wow, this is not doing anything for me right now. It's just putting me into a negative space. I shouldn't even be comparing. So I would say challenge yourself to put some ownership on those those thoughts and, you know, put, put boundaries up if you're looking to it for things that create self-comparison. And then, um, yeah, take some ownership in that. And then maybe monitor how much you look at that stuff if you know what it's gonna ultimately do for you. I think that's really important and getting back to that knowing what your why is. Um, you know, are you running because it helps you feel good, it's gonna keep you healthy, maybe you're trying to accomplish physical goals, you know, whatever it is. I shared last week on my um, Instagram account, there was a study looking at the activity of cancer survivors. So not just staying, not just going for a 30 minute run. I saw your post, by the way, yeah. about sedentary, right? Versus active. Okay. I'd love and to so, hear more about that. Yeah. So they looked at, you know, we know that running or any, any exercise is good, right? So the American Cancer Society says 30 minutes, five days a week, fine. But what you're doing in the remainder of that time really matters. And they looked at people who were sedentary, so sitting more than 68 hours a day. And those patients, those people, participants had almost a six-fold higher risk of dying from cancer than people who were not, who were active and moving throughout the day. And a couple of years ago, there was a study about runners. And they said that runners are some of the most sedentary people out there because they go for a run and they're like, oh, I'm good. I can sit on the couch for the rest of the day. Wow. He is that whatever movement is, we want to have that physical things that are getting your heart rate up, whether it's running, whether it's lifting, cycling, whatever. But you also want to be moving throughout the day. And that means setting an alarm on your watch, on your phone. And it doesn't have to be long. You can do jumping jacks for 30 seconds. You can walk, fill up your water bottle for, you know, it doesn't have to be like every hour you're doing a 10 minute workout, but just kind of getting up and down and not sitting for all day long. Wow. Yeah, I saw that. And I, it really made me stop and think for a second because I am, you know, in the fitness world walking and in New York, I think is one of the, the good things yeah. about that. I can't hop in the car. I'm never sitting down, but I think about my friends and my family and, you know, my grandma and, you know, there's a lot of sitting that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the downfalls that we haven't seen yet with COVID, I mean, there's many, but one of them has been this switch off, all this entire switch to remote, right? And working from home. Think about all these people who are now not walking, parking in the car, walking from the parking lot, running an errand, everything you do online, you're not walking to your, you know, coworkers, cubicle, whatever. Right. Or the break room. Yeah, going out for lunch to run an errand. I think that in years to come, we're going to see all these negative repercussions of all these people who are working from home. Now, some people, I think, really maximize it and they're moving and they're exercising and they're, but that's not everybody. Right. So you're saying even popping up and doing, you know, your suggestion of jumping jacks for 30 seconds or, you know, walk across the room back and forth, fill up your water, those things help. Exactly. So it's just, you don't want to be sitting for, you know, from nine to 12 until you go on lunch, you know, you want to just get up and move around. And I think also, I mean, that helps with productivity. It helps you not feel so stiff when you've been sitting for so long. I mean, there's a ton of benefits, but really, and not only with cancer, it helps with heart disease and diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol and, and all of those things. Cause I can, you know, so often I think, oh, you know, it's only, you know, I think we can look at 
anything in two ways, of course. And um, a coworker was, she's in the midst of her marathon training right now. And, you know, at one point in her running, it was three miles was, oh, wow, three miles. I'm going to go out and do three miles, four or five. Um, you know, that was a run, you know, big deal. Now she's at the point of her training where anything under eight miles, she's like, oh, it's only six. Like, I'll do it at some point, you know, so which is crazy, you know, like six is great. Eight miles is a ton, especially during the week. Um, I could see someone be like, oh, it's only 30 seconds. Like, what is 30 seconds really going to benefit for me? But it's really helpful to know that those things matter. I think just to keep moving someone up, I just saw a comment about standing during calls. So I think that's a great, you know during calls if you are on zoom calls um where you don't need to be on video you know walk around put your right walk around um a lot of people are getting like the standing desks uh so that way you're not sitting the whole time but figuring out what works for you um jumping jacks may not work for you if you're wearing heels um and you can't take them off right so maybe you're walking to get water um or pop up and do 10 squats yeah, you know, I close the door in my office and I'm, I'm doing like some burpees here. <laughs> no way! Yeah, because like I get, you know, I'm not wearing heels, I'm usually wearing boots or something where I can take my shoes off and no one knows what I'm doing in here. And uh, <laughs> I've got, you know, squats or burpees, but then it also gets you energized, right? So then I think when you think about eating, if you're, it kind of gets you away from, oh, I'm bored, I need a break, I'm going to reach for something, you know, right. chocolate, whatever, I'm going to move a little bit instead. What do you advise your patients when they're when they're really going through just the thick of it, you know, treatment or, you know, diagnosis or do they turn to movement? Do you encourage that? Is that something that you bring up often? So we actually have a study, um, a clinical trial that we are almost completing looking at the looking at exercise during chemotherapy for breast cancer patients. So we've set it up that they have a, um, we do virtual, it was all designed pre-COVID and so for COVID. Um, so they do virtual personal training once a week. We have a gym as part of our health system. So they connect virtually once a week with those trainers. And then the rest of the time we give people access to the Peloton platform. And so they do classes, um, can't buy them a Peloton bike, but they have access to all the, the app and all the classes there. Oh, and that's, so I that's great. Them, it's great. Um, and the people who've done it, now they haven't, we recommend 150 minutes a week, which is the guideline. Um, and during the thick of it, you can't. A lot of people are not able to do 150 minutes. And that's fine. That's one of the things that we're looking at. But I can tell you, everyone says that's the best part of their chemo. Because one, it's the time that they're focusing just on themselves. Um, and oh. it's you're empowered. You are doing something for you. Um, that is something you can control. So I'm a big fan of any movement. Um, we tell people to do what they can. Um, and even if it's going out for 10 minutes, um, you know, I had a couple a year and a half ago, I had Keegan Randall, who is an Olympic uh, skier, Olympic medalist on my podcast, and she had breast cancer. And so it was very interesting to hear the perspective of an Olympian, um, right. how she went through chemotherapy. And she said, and again, she is, her life is, I mean, she is an Olympian. And she said, I just promised myself 10 minutes a day. And right. if at the end of the I didn't, I couldn't do it. I didn't feel great that day. I stopped and I still did something. Um, but more often I had, I had more in me. Um, and so I think wow. 
Do you think a lot of that is mindset to where it's just committing? Um, or is, is it just really not feeling physically capable? I think it's both. Um, I mean, look, chemo is really, really hard. Um, and I will say that even if you have cancer and did not need chemotherapy, the other medications that we put people on are also really hard. So this is not to just say this is only applicable for chemo. Um, but there are going to be days where you feel horrible. Um, and then there's days, and I'm not talking about those days. I'm not talking about those days if you're throwing up or you're having diarrhea and you're just like, I can't leave the house. Um, right. But all of the new medications we have, those days do tend to be not as common as they were, let's say, in the 70s. But I'm talking about the days where you're like, oh, I don't feel great. Like, I'm okay. It's so much easier to sit on the couch. And that is all mindset. That is absolutely. And this is where maybe having a partner, some sort of accountability, someone that yeah. says, hey, come on, let's meet up for a walk. And it's hard now because of COVID. Um, but there's all these communities and there's people, I think, that you are working out online that you can connect with. But um, so it's a mix of, it's a mix of both. I love that. Question here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Never mind. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, so... And what about, now what about strength training? Because this is something that I talk to people about all the time. So a lot of the medications that we give, um, especially for breast cancer, are not good for people's bones. Um, right, I was just gonna running, go there. Yeah, while running is certainly weight bearing, um, you know, a lot of people are not able to run, don't want to run. And so in terms of metabolism, building bone, you know, strength training is really a great option. but a lot of people don't know what to do. So right. what do they do? Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, strength, everyone should be doing strength training. Um, our muscles, our bones, our ligaments, everything deteriorates with age. And each day we're aging, we're, we're moving through space. So we wanna protect our bones by strengthening our connective tissue, building up muscle strength, trying to figure out imbalances, all of those things, of course, huge for runners. We're out there, there's impact every day. So you wanna focus on strong, healthy muscles, strong connective tissue. Um, and for someone who's not maybe ready to be out there running it, it's an excellent way. Resistance gets the heart rate up. Um, it, it, it increases our metabolism, it burns fat, and it, it builds muscle. So. Um, so I think everyone, you know, at least two times a week, um, should absolutely incorporate strength training. And the first place to start is by your own body weight, using your body as the resistance. Um, so I like to start there, you know, just like encouraging someone to get in the habit of lacing up and going out for a walk. Let's get up. Let's, you know, focus on really great posture and our shoulders over our hips and our butt tucked under and our glutes tight and foot learning, you know, just waking up our muscles by squeezing them, engaging them, realizing where they are and what they're doing. And then from there we can, you know, I would say start with like a little circuit, you know, even if it's 10 squats, 10 reverse lunges, a 30 second plank. Let's do those three movements five times through, rest 30 seconds in between each round, and that will be where we start for today. You know, so I think learning how to squat is really important. Posture is a huge part of that. Core strength uh, applies to all of that, even sitting upright, 
uh, walking well. Um, from there, start very gradually. I think we live in a world where things are often jazzed up with lights and music and matching outfits and, you know, it can get easily intimidating um, very quickly. And so we forget that the fundamentals or the basics or the building blocks are actually what matter most and what do the most. So I think scaling back from a BOSU ball to a one arm thing, focus on quality movements and, and then build. Um, so squats, you know, basic fundamental movements and then incorporate a dumbbell. If you have a dumbbell, let's add a goblet squat to those squats. Let's hold that weight doing the reverse lunges. Um, so starting with learning the movements and doing them really well. And just like anything, you know, that person who goes out for a walk is eventually going to say, I can do more than this. So that, that one minute on and 90 seconds off well, could eventually um, and over time get to three miles without stopping. Just like that standing up tall and connecting to our glutes and connecting to our biceps can progress to having a barbell and doing, doing bicep curls or having a barbell on our back and pushing weight through a squat. It just takes, um, you know, seeking out that information and information is key. It can also be intimidating. So find, I always suggest like find a mentor or find a coach even more so and put that trust into the person and then be on a plan. Then it's consistent effort, building from those body weight sets to a dumbbell, building from that dumbbell to learning how to use a kettlebell, working up to a barbell and eventually adding more and more weight. Cause um, you can never out, outlift a barbell. You know, you can always find more plates to put on that barbell and that's not even the point. So it's not about the weight sometimes, it's about progressing that could be through reps. It could be shortening the rest. It could be increasing the weight and shortening the reps. Just like running can build and flow and deload and pick back up. Um, you can do that in strength training too. And one of the questions that um, I get a lot is heavy weights versus, so heavy weight, less repetition, mm -hmm. like more repetition. Is there a different, you know, is there you should be doing one versus the other or some balance for both, you know, in the week kind of? Absolutely. Um, I like, I think both. I think both are important. And I think if you operate on a progress, just like let's say 16 week marathon plan or 12 week marathon plan, there's, you know, the building block, then there's, you know, you pick it up and in a strength training phase, let's say you would take four weeks and practice technique. Then you would take four weeks and practice strength. So you're adding a little bit more weight you're doing less reps, there's more rest, but you're learning how to push weight. And during that time, you might focus on power, learning how to explode up from the ground. I'll use that goblet squat um, example. So let's say you're just, the first few, four weeks, you're you know just learning how to squat with the weight. The next four weeks, we're learning how to control on the way down, but come up fast, drive up from the floor fast. Let's say the next four weeks, we're scaling that weight from whatever was during our strength phase to a volume phase. Suddenly we're doing less weight, but 15 to 20 reps instead of eight. Um, so I think both are really important. And I think the strength phase should come first, then you pull back, you focus on volume, and then you kind of circle back around to the building box again, and you can kind of flow through those. So I do think both are important. I don't think 
anyone should just be in a habit of the empty barbell for 50 reps and that's their strength training plan. Our bodies adapt, that's what we want, but we have to keep changing the variable for the, the progression, the body composition goals, the strength goals, or even just, you know, training for life. We have to keep challenging ourselves to a degree. So therefore the stressor has to adapt, whether it's volume, more reps, or weight um, for a strength phase. I think that's really important what you touched on and I like to kind of maybe explore it more is that changing, right? So not getting stagnant, whether it's in cycling or running or yoga or strength, whatever it is, if you do the same thing every single day, you're, you know, I think a lot of people get frustrated that they are not either seeing body changes or they're not losing weight um, and they're still doing, but they're, they're working out, right? They're moving. Um, kind of what's your take on that, right? Do we have how should we change our routine or how often do we need to change our routine? Yeah, that's a great point. I think tapping, it so, sounds cliche and it's so simple, but also so true, tapping back to the why. And if it's um, to lose weight, you know, figuring out that, that um, you know, balance between nutrition, movement, and not just cardio, but also strength training. A lot of people fear the weights because it's gonna make them bulky, but the truth is, Muscle mass takes up way less space than fat. So separate from the numbers and really focus on what feels good, um, how you feel in your own skin, I think is really important. Um, and and to, to really continue to evolve and that, yeah, you can't just continue to do the same thing um, because your body will adapt and things don't change and things don't shake up and move. So yeah, I think, um, I got off track here. I'm not just sort of like rambling, um, but I think you have to you have to tap back to your why. For you know, if your reason is to get out and do 30 minutes of cardio because you need that headspace and that's your 30 minutes to yourself, and you go through your checklist and you kind of just ha I call it the dishwasher cycle because that's how it feels for me when I have that 30 minutes to just go for a run. I feel just like all that junk and gunk yeah. has just been gone and I just feel like a whole new person. And that to me has nothing to do with performance, nothing to do with goals or pace or any of that. Um, and if that's your why, if that's why you go out there for 30 minutes, then keep that. But if you're wondering, man, I go out for 30 minutes every time and it's always the same, you gotta shake up the goals. And I think, so tapping back to the why, having that list of goals and then having the plan, having, you can't skip over, um, just like in the medical world, you can't skip over the actionable to-dos mm -hmm. to get to be where you wanna be. Um, I like that. So there's a question here about, do swimming and cycling help with strength training and are they helpful for osteoporosis? I, they are great cross-training. It's a great supplement to getting out there and supplementing a, an easy run. I think cycling is awesome. There's not strength that come with, comes with that, but it is great cross-training. And I think in terms of osteoporosis, swimming for sure, um, cycling for sure, there's less impact and you're still able to get your cardio, but it's not a replacement for strength training. And that's, that's where a lot of people have a miscommunication on that. Yeah, so we talk about when we when I, I see a lot of patients who have you know side effects 
one being osteoporosis. So you want weight bearing activity. And that's where that strength training comes in. And again, body weight, that can be weights. Um, And the the running is, you know, walking with weights, jogging, all of those things are great for weight bearing, but cycling, swimming are the cross training. It allows you to get your heart rate up and move, but you're not necessarily building bone, but right. you seven days of strength training or six right. days of training. So right. you have to balance. Just like the elliptical, it is a supplement. I would never say, okay, we got a strength training today. Let's head to the elliptical. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's not going to generate that resistance for you even the stairmaster mm-hmm. um this is kind of a fun question pros and cons about living in new york oh um well pros you just you know you get in your steps you walk everywhere and you walk out your door and you're in new york city and if you're in new york city you're gonna see something exciting a different restaurant another block and you know if you're commuting by foot you're gonna walk through just different neighborhoods with different vibes and people and feels and the cons for sure when it's cold you are still walking through that element of whether it you know whatever weather it is so um the other con you just it's hard it's small you know you have very little space to yourself it's expensive there's a lot of dog poop on the streets and trash and a lot of junk it's a gross gross city but a lot of people find that beautiful as well. So I think the pros, you really have anything at your fingertips at any point. Broadway shows, really cool stores, everything delivered, um, or, you know, tons of different restaurants. But the cons are that you, you know, the, the nature is harder to find. You have to go to a park. Uh, if you don't walk out the door and just feel the fresh air and um, have quiet time because you step into chaos. So even if you're looking forward to a nice peaceful walk, you're gonna have something screaming in your face, a ambulance, a taxi, and yeah. So it's just different chaoses, you know? Um, so this question, well, actually, let me go back to one that we missed earlier that was looking talking about online communities for cancer, you know, and exercise and working out. And so there are a lot. Um, I think that there's, it depends. It depends on like, again, what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for like one accountability partner, if you're looking for a Facebook group where everyone is sharing their workout. So I think you have to take a step back and really ask yourself what it is that you're looking for. Um, There are people who are looking for like, I need a plan. Right. So where can people go? Because I think the next question that followed was like getting examples of that strength training. So do you have recommendations for where if people can't get a coach or can't afford a coach or their resources? Like I know a lot of great running plans with strength training. I mean, you can Google, but you know if it's legit. Right. Right. So for our Runners World Plus members, I do a weekly workout. Um, and that comes out into our newsletter. And for the longest time, which I really miss, and maybe we'll bring back, I would do Instagram live workouts at 12 o'clock. And so I'm right there with you doing the exercises, of course, demoing them. Um, and, I've, you know, those were a big hit. I've got a lot of requests for those to come back. But they're still on the Runner's World Coach page. Um, and if you go to the little TV section or the Instagram live section, you'll see all of those. I think I did over a hundred. So yeah, I think that's a great place to start, but even finding one person that you respect 
trust and feel like aligns with your goals and then you know they might have a coaching platform or they might do instagram live workouts um or youtube is a great place to look you know group it's a, it requires a little bit of self-teaching but looking on youtube to watch the form or to figure out the movement and then applying that to a strength training plan um mary johnson was on here earlier i don't know if she's still here but she's a running coach she owns lift run perform and it's an amazing company all women strong crushing it and she is launching a strength training program as well so um but i'm happy to help too send me a message and i'm happy to give guidance and kind of help out and give some give some knowledge there yeah, i think first of all i think there's a lot of people who want you to bring back your workouts <laughs> <laughs> really um but like with anything you know whatever you see on social media and i think this goes a lot too for healthcare that you see online is really look at someone's credentials um and so you know figuring out what are their what's their background you know if all of a sudden i am talking about i don't know something that i have no business talking about like that doesn't make sense right why is an oncologist like let's say i don't know start talking about like i can't even think of something but like headaches that have nothing to do with like what i do right i'm probably not a reputable person for that and the same thing goes for health and fitness people online. Um, there's exactly. a question here about, is, is it true that chronically sore calves mean they are weak? No, I would say, one, I would need to know more about what the person is doing. Um, it could even be running too quickly too much, increasing your intensity and your volume too much. That's gonna be the first thing, you know, shin splints, sore calves, could be your footwear if running if you're not running and you're just constantly having sore calves i wouldn't know exactly the cause of that but it could be your footwear it could be could be a lot of things so i think it starts with um kind of figuring out a little bit more history of the person and then being able to guide give some guidance there oh maggie's here hi maggie hi maggie uh, thanks, Ricardo. Thank you. Um, so yeah, chronically sore calves, I would need to know a little bit more about the, the person's day-to-day -day activities to have more to say on that. But um, foam rolling is, is great. Self-massage is great. Um, but yeah. And so actually kind of on that rehab stretching, you know, we didn't really talk about that. And that is so important is the recovery. Right. Yes. Therapy for some people and prehab, we call it is really great. But what are some, um, yes, we're definitely going to save it. So it'll, it'll be safe for everyone to watch if you have to run, uh, sign off. But what are some kind of recovery plans or, or tools that you advise everyone to do on a regular basis? Well, Camo chiming in here. That's my dad. Um, hydration. Absolutely. Being just consistent with your hydration, not just after a long run or after the, you know, at the end of the day. And I, I have it right here. I got this cheesy thing on Amazon to really help me. Yeah. Um, water bottles. <laughs> cheers. I used to knock it personally. I'm like, oh, really? They have to have that giant water bottle just to drink water. But yes, I do need this giant water bottle just to drink water because it's so easy to get caught up in a busy day, talking to tons of people, moving from, I'm sure you have, patient to patient. Next thing you realize, it's end of the day and you've hardly had any water today. So that 
last, you know, just hydrating one day and being okay, back on track. And then letting those four or five days where you're just busy again, kind of get in the middle of that. It's a big thing. You have to be consistent with your hydration. So that would be, you know, one balanced fuel. And I think really focusing on doing the things that you can control every day. Try not to beat yourself up on the days where you, you know, kind of don't live your perfect life, but having that protein shake or having those well-balanced meals, getting to bed at a healthy time, putting your phone away at a healthy time, all of those things play a role in our recovery and, you know, trying to eliminate stress, trying to just focus on the positive things that we can control. And so I think that's a huge part of it, creating a mental, mentally organized wellness space for ourselves, as well as focusing on mobility, focusing on recovery, going to see a PT, if you can, if that can fit into your, your routine somewhere. Um, but even if not, foam roll, you know, listen to your body. That's something that we can do even before we get to the place of thinking, oh man, am I having aches and pains? Really trying to jump ahead of that with being intuitive of how are things feeling? How am I feeling? Am I feeling energized? Should I scale it back? Really just being in touch with ourselves and sleep. Mm -hmm. Sleep, I mean, sleep is so important. Um, and I think from a cancer perspective, a lot of people struggle with sleep. A lot of the medications are cause people to have trouble sleeping. You're waking up um, and sleep is so healing and restorative. So I think that's a great places start. Now, I had a question as you were talking about all this. There are all these fancy tools on the market. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, and I, I, don't, there's, I don't know. There's tons of them. Um, do you need them? I think they're fancy. I think they're great. I, I, I don't think having a Theragon is going to harm you. But I think that smart training is 10 times more valuable than having a tool at home that you can just kind of like self-regulate so do you need them no it's just like the fancy nike shoes do you need them no um in fact a lot of times those nike shoes cause people more harm than good because they're not quite necessary um could they help absolutely but does it require being really well thought out in your own training and being consistent in your strength training and you know your easy runs and your pre-run warm-up and your post-run stretch and your mobility a few times a week way more impactful than having you know those fancy gadgets and so i think have a pt that you trust and that you can have as a you know someone in your back pocket but i also think be smart with your training and if you missed a few days don't try to make it up move on really it, it requires some again um self-regulating there because the tools are great but if you're not sleeping eight hours a night if you're not getting those healthy well-balanced meals you're doing yourself more of a disservice that that theragon or that hyper ice or whatever it is isn't going to solve i mean what i'm hearing is that there's no and we know this there's no easy fix to getting healthy and staying healthy right and before we wrap up, um, and if you guys have questions, feel free to drop them in there. Let's quickly talk about nutrition and fueling for exercise. So I can tell you kind of from an oncology perspective, and I'm going to talk about breast cancer here because that is more of where our 
research lies. And we recommend somewhere between a Mediterranean and a plant-based diet. So looking at, you know, limiting processed meat, limiting processed foods in general, limiting red meat, more, you know, chicken and fish, more plants, you know, kind of having half your plate be full of vegetables and plant-based foods. Um, and those things really help decrease the risk of cancer recurrence. But I think they, they help you fuel um, really well for exercise as well. But what yeah. you coach people, do you get in to what they should be eating? And what are your recommendations if you do? Well, I have a lot of great dietitians in my network that specialize in sports nutrition and went to school for it. And so I trust them and I turn to them because that's their strength. And um, so I give, you know, personal guidance and I, I give kind of the basics, but I also resource that out to people who really are educated professionals in that in that degree. So I think that one, it's personal. And I think, you know, fueling yourself before a long run is a no brainer and find what works before those long runs. Don't wait until race day to say, Oh, I have to figure out what I'm going to have for breakfast before my marathon. Practice that in your long run. And just like, you know, you're suggesting 30 seconds of jumping jacks or 30 seconds of movement or little movement breaks throughout the day add up to huge value. So does learning what works for you and being consistent in that and making little efforts every day to be, you know, working towards your best self. Um, and I think try to be consistent. You know, you know, I'm okay with kind of eating the same things every day and kind of that's how it keeps me on track and keeps me in my routine. And then you have those fun night outs or, you know, family meals over the weekend. But most of the time, I know that I'm going to have a banana and oatmeal for breakfast and then, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I think learning what works for you and really perfecting that. And I have kind of one last question before we wrap up. Um, actually, let me answer this one. So what do you think about all the fancy plant-based foods that we are seeing? You can get plant-based KFC nuggets or Burger King plant-based nut burger. So from my perspective, and again, understanding that. Hi, Eileen. This, this is my mother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, I'll answer this kind of a perspective as an oncologist. And again, I don't have formal nutrition training. We have at our hospital, we have a breast um, nutri cancer nutritionist that we employ to really help our patients. Because again, we realize that this is a need. Um, but I will say that those are processed foods. Right. So from an oncology perspective, from a cancer perspective, those are typically soy protein, like isolates, they're concentrate, they're not, you know, soy, like tofu, tempeh, miso, those are, that, that's a natural, healthy form. Um, so all of those kind of plant-based things are processed. There was a study looking at a regular burger, like a regular versus a Beyond or, um, you know, one of those companies, Beyond Burger, and the Beyond Burgers are probably a little bit better for you, but I think if you really want, if you're not vegan for ethical reasons, or, you know, you really are okay with having here and there, and you want a burger, just have a regular burger, um, and then, but staying away from those plant-based things on a regular basis, so what I, my husband and I do, so he's vegan, and so um, I think that someone in a relationship can't make such a big change if their partner is not supportive of them um and so we do you know plant-based during the week and then if we order i'll order sushi or maybe some chicken and stuff like that 
but we stay away from all that processed stuff um, and really focus on eating whole foods. Um, now, if we're at a party, we're at a barbecue, he'll maybe bring like a Beyond Burger to grill um, so that he's not eating red meat. But you know, it's, 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 everyone has their own things. But bottom line is that those are very processed. So try to limit those to like maybe once or twice a month. That's helpful. My husband does eat a lot of red meat. So this is helpful to kind of sway him into, um, you know, limiting that a little bit more um, from your oncologist perspective. Yeah, I mean, more and more we're learning and it's not just for breast cancer or for colon cancer, red meat's a big, big risk factor as well. Um, and so we don't tell people to eliminate, but maybe just really looking at when are you eating it? How much are you eating? And if you are eating really high quality, like organic, no added nitrates, no added pesticides, that kind of stuff. That's helpful. Now, last question that I wanted to ask you, but what about fueling for, like, there's a lot of talk about like fasting cardio and, and you know, what should you be eating before, or do you need to eat something before like a regular 30, 40 minute workout? Um, yes, yeah, so absolutely. I, again, tap back to the why. And if you have an easy run and you wake up feeling okay and that you prefer to have a really nice satisfying meal after your 35, you know, 45 minute run, that's easy, you know, moderate or low effort. Um, I have done that plenty of times um, and have no problem with that. But you, again, have to think about what your mission is for the day. And if it's tackling you know, a grueling workout with repeats and, you know, anything that's going to require performance, you're absolutely cheating yourself if you don't have a have a meal before that, that's going to set you up for the performance that you're really going into that for. So if you feel better just getting up and moving your body and waking up on the run or waking up on a walk or waking up on in your workout, I absolutely think that you can just hop up and head out the door but if you're getting up having coffee doing a few things and kind of preparing for your run a little bit later i would again say have something that you know works for you whether it's oatmeal or even just a banana maybe some peanut butter it doesn't have to have a big meal it doesn't need to be a big meal but i would say if you're going out for anything over that 30 to 40 minute range you should, you should fuel beforehand. Otherwise, you're just gonna feel a little lethargic, maybe a little nauseous, maybe a little lightheaded, um, not able to fully give it your all. And that time, you know, that can be frustrating at times. If you come back thinking, man, I thought I was running so hard, I don't understand why that was so hard, you know, and I didn't even accomplish what I wanted to. Well, it's, you know, how did you fuel? How did you, what, what did you have in your system going into that? And so a lot of times, you know, poor fuel or undernutrition um, is is going to give you a disadvantage in your training. Um, and there's kind of along with that, there's a question about tamoxifen, which is we use to decrease our risk for breast cancer recurrence um, and uh, making someone feel slower on their runs. And does it affect energy levels? And tamoxifen, it doesn't affect your ability to run faster or slower, but it does affect, affect your metabolism. So okay. It, metabolism. So then I think looking kind of picking back on what you're saying, looking at how you're fueling before a run and making sure that you are eating that protein and that healthy fat. Right. And it just because those are your energy levels, that's your fuel, you wouldn't drive, you know, an hour and a half with under a quarter of tank, yeah. you would fill it up and feel safe and confident that you're going to make it and not run into any problems along the way. Same applies to um, your running. 
you know, heading out for a long workout, heading out for a long run, not having anything before that, and then wondering why you're, you're crashing and burning at the end of it, it's, it's because of poor fueling. Um, and there's two other questions. So one is about fasting and cancer risk. So like intermittent fasting. And right now there's not a lot of great data on whether doing intermittent fasting decreases cancer risk. But what we know is that it improves your metabolism. It can affect insulin resistance. And those factors, um, especially insulin resistance, can increase your cancer risk. So maybe indirectly. Um, but I think when we talk about intermittent fasting and how we counsel our patients, it matters also what you're eating in that eating window. So if you're right. in hours and eating for eight, but you just had you know three hamburgers from McDonald's, uh, I hate to break it to you, you didn't really do anything. Um, and healthy fat, at least from, again, from an oncologic perspective, we're talking about nuts, uh, extra virgin olive oil, um, avocados, that, that kind of thing. Peanuts, you know, all of that. And those are some great, I think, what would, there's a question about post-run fueling. What mm -hmm. are you? I would say, you know, give back what you lost. Replenish what you just put into your workout. So a protein shake is a great place to start. You know, some people aren't hungry right after their run. It takes them 30 minutes to a minute or to an hour to generate that appetite again. So start fueling your body within 30 minutes at the, you know, at, at most for with what you just lost. So have a protein shake, hop in the shower, get yourself settled, and then um, focus on healthy fats, carbs, and a protein. And for me, you know, it depends on what, if, if I'm in a training cycle, I'll have that protein shake and I, I love some poached eggs or, you know, um, eggs and avocado on an English muffin or something that just feels really fuel filling and satisfying after a run. Um, but it, it, it's more about what works for you back to that, like everyone's personalized there with their nutrition. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to fuel within 30 to 60 minutes of your run. You know, like from a personal experience, I'm really bad at doing this because I'm not hungry after I run. So I like, and then it's hours later and you feel awful the next day. Mm. Luggish, legs are sore. Like it's so important to fuel right after. Right after. Yeah. You know, there's for so many years, I would go and do my long runs and feel terrible for the rest of the day, just chalking it up to, oh, well, I ran 13 miles. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a dead person for the rest of the day. But the truth is, Get in that protein shake, do some mobility, do some stretching so you don't go right to laying down for the rest of the day. Then give yourself that fuel and hydration. I feel fine. I can go and do many other things throughout the day. So you want to jump on top of that as soon as you can. And I think especially for people who have other responsibilities, um, after yes. be taking care of kids, whether it be going to work, whatever it is, you have to really set yourself up that you can still do these big things if you want to, and then not feel completely dead for the rest of the day. Right. You got to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. You got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, I think let's, let's give a second if there are any questions. Um, but this was wonderful. I think this was such a great conversation about how well, you know, wellness and cancer. I mean, you can talk about it for hours, but I think this really hit on some of the key, key points. Yeah. So no matter the age, you know, you want to stay moving. You want to stay healthy. You want to stay active. And again, I want to emphasize it again. Every day we're getting older and we lose that bone mass. We lose that muscle mass. So strength training becomes more and more important the older we get. So, so incorporate them into your daily lives.
And uh, Jess, how do people contact you? Because I think someone wants you to train them. Kelly, thank you. Um, so my Instagram handle is right here, Jess Mowald. Um, you send me a message. I will, I will help you out. I will try to get you on a plan or see what I can do um, that's useful for you. And um, if you live in New York, maybe you can come down to the fort. Um, and lastly, are nuts proven to reduce breast cancer? So nuts, like just eating nuts, no, but that, that lifestyle of eating the healthy fats and the protein, um, that is going to be really beneficial in reducing risk. And I talk about a lot of the, about this on my Instagram page, so feel free if you are coming here from Jess's account to follow me because we talk about a lot of ways to reduce breast cancer risk. That's a big, big thing. And I will say, um, just to end, that you can't prevent cancer. This is a big pet peeve of mine. Anything that you see, especially surrounding these awareness months where you're like, prevent cancer, cancer prevention, you can't prevent cancer. So um, you were all at risk, but you can do all these things to lower your risk as much as possible. That's and a great point. I honestly have never thought about it that way. I really like shifting the conversation on that. And because you'll see things like, and people will say, well, I got diagnosed with breast cancer and I did all the right things and I worked out and I ate healthy and yet this still happened. So I think that causes then a lot of guilt and shaming of people who, who feel like, well, I did something wrong by getting breast cancer. And that's just not true. Um, it's no one's fault. If you get cancer, it's not your fault. Um, and there's also, if you call, call it prevention, it makes it seem like, okay, if I exercise and eat right, then it's never going to come back. And that's not right. true. Um, it'll lower your risk, and it'll also make you more uh, better to tolerate treatment. So you'll right. feel about it, which I think is really, really important as well. How do you, and I'm just going to use the word coach because it's just in our language, but yeah. how do you coach your patients um, once they've worked through treatment and they, you know, have worked through that um, in terms of keeping up with checkups or staying active and persistent in their own medical journey and just being aware? So I think, I mean, it's a great, great question. And I, I think the biggest thing is I really try to tell people that you have to be your own advocate. Um, and so that's number one, figuring out, okay, what are the things that I need to be doing? But all my patients know when they're coming, I'm asking them, what are you doing for exercise? What are you eating? How are you feeling about your body? Um, and I, I think that's really important. But you have to be your own advocate on for, you know, and especially with things that have changed the way they have with COVID, you really can't expect anyone to be like, Oh wait, you didn't do this. You know, we see this all the time. They're like, Oh, no one called me to get my mammogram. Wow. Yeah. Because there's no doctors in the workforce. I mean, there's so many people who love the workforce. So I think really saying to yourself, I have to advocate for myself. And along with that, you know, life after cancer is really, really hard, sometimes harder than active treatment. And I think that goes for any medical illness or condition and knowing your body. And this is where movement is really important because you're going to know what feels normal and what doesn't feel normal. And when something doesn't feel normal, to advocate and fight for yourself until you get the tests and workup that you need. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. If you feel in your heart and gut that it's not fine. Um, and, and that I think is really a big, big message. Wow. That's so powerful. Be yeah. your own advocate and really trust your heart and instinct and nobody's going to do it for you. I mean, just like a fitness journey or a wellness journey or going after any type of running goal or composition goal or strength goal. We have to, we have to pursue that. That's such a great reminder. It's so easy to not. It's so easy to sit back and watch the world do all of these things while we're on the sidelines. 
Um, but it's not easy for the other people to go out and do it either. It's an active choice. It's such a great point. Yeah, and just remember that what you're seeing about people's lives is really a highlight reel. You don't know what they're, everyone's struggling. No, you know, these yeah. goals, accomplishments don't come easy to anybody. And I think Maggie's point about getting a second opinion always, um, and you should never feel guilty about getting a second opinion. Sometimes people come and they go, oh, I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm like, great, amazing. Like, let me know what they say because. And I will say that's a good doctor. Yeah. One who's not feeling challenged or intimidated, one who's welcoming knowledge and questions. And I think some, you know, not everyone is that like, oh, why are you asking me questions? I'm the doctor. You have to listen to what I'm saying. It's, it's cool to hear you say, yes, you know, let me know what they say and let's compare. Let's, you know, see what you find. And Yeah, we work together. And again, if you're, again, you have to, the doctor-patient relationship is a team. We are not in the era of paternalistic medicine or patriarchal medicine where someone says, well, this is what you do because this is what I said by see you in six months. Right. You should be comfortable asking questions. Um, and this is where it's really important. Um, and I, I say that with the internet, um, there's a lot of great information on there. But one of the things is that what people experience is not necessarily applicable to you. So take what you read online, learn from other people, but then go in with an open mind. Right. That's so helpful. You're great. And if you need um, any help in fertility, we've got Dr. Maggie Smith here. Yeah, Maggie's our, we'll have to, Maggie, have to get you do some. Also an avid runner and into strength training follow her um and so thank you just was this was wonderful thank this you. really was great we should do this again sometime definitely will um I'm and gonna... i wanted to give a quick shout out to jen marie i saw her in here and she said um i think i read it right exercise was a huge part of what helped her feel better during her chemo so shout out to you jen I think that's the key, that really taking charge of your own health. Um, and even when really hard things and bad things happen, um, figuring out that it is okay to grieve those moments. And I tell people when you get diagnosed, it is okay to grieve your cancer and grieve the life that you had before cancer because you should. Um, but then saying, okay, well, what can I do for myself? And whether that's five minutes of a walk, whether that's a run, whether that's a stretching or a yoga session, anything that gets you feeling good is 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 great awesome well this was so great i feel really honored that you brought me on eleanor so thank you thank you i'm gonna save hopefully not screw this up and save it so people can watch it um and thank you all for listening and asking such amazing questions thank you all for listening to this conversation whether you listen to part of it on Instagram, whether you listen to the whole thing here. I hope that you found it helpful. I hope that it inspired and motivated you to either start moving your body, perhaps take the next step to moving your body, perhaps increasing what you're doing, changing up what you're doing. Um, but I really hope that you found it helpful. Feel free to connect with Jess on Instagram. She is Jess Movald, J-E-S-S. M-O-V-O-L-D. And as always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Dr. Toplinski. Reach out. I'd love to know what you are doing in your fitness journey after listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast or others, I would be honored if you could take a rating, take a moment to leave a rating or review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as that is the best way to help me grow the show and to bring it to new listeners. 
Have a great weekend. Get out there and move. And I will see all of you soon.